Well, hey there, fam. It feels really good to be back. You know, it's a new year and a new season is upon us. But before we get rolling, I wanted to thank each and every one of you for listening to my little pandemic passion project. These times have been incredibly unstable for me and for all of us. And this has really been an outlet for me. So thank you so much for supporting it. I'm terrible about asking for help, but I've got a quick favor to ask. If you've been digging the pod, please write it a review and be sure to subscribe. It'll really mean the world. Okay, now that that awkward bit is out of the way, let's move on to our episode where we're talking about the rise of zero-proof spirits. I've been seeing a lot of non-alcoholic bottlings entering the market, like Seedlip, Proto, Somcordial, and more, and it has me wondering, are more people choosing the sober lifestyle these days, or is there something bigger at play here? Today I'm chatting with Tommy and Lisa Farr-Johnstone, founders of Optimus Spirits, a zero-proof botanical company whose flavor profiles are reminiscent of Southern California's coastlines, desertscapes, and chaparral. Whether you're just wrapping up your dry January like I am, thank God it's over, or are looking for more balance after a crazy year, or maybe you're just abstaining altogether, I think there are some really interesting things to be gleaned from their insights on the zero-proof spirits trend. But first, a word from our sponsor. You guys know that I'm all about balancing my love of food and wine with fitness, and let's be real, home fitness is here to stay. That's why I'm excited to have an Ergata water rowing machine. It's the perfect choice for anyone looking for an efficient, engaging, full body workout. But the thing I like most about this rower is the fact that it's visually stunning. Handcrafted in the US from rich cherry wood, Ergata brings fitness into your home without having to drag that sterile gym aesthetic along with it. Their water rower stores upright in a snap and transforms into a connected device with personalized workouts and competitive races against other community members. The sound of the paddles rowing through the water is almost meditative, and I'm loving how this workout is carving out my shoulders. If you're looking to take control of your fitness at home, see what I'm talking about at ergata.com. That's E-R-G-A-T-T-A.com. Now, onto the show. Thank you so much, you guys, for doing this. I appreciate this. Full disclosure, I may have already tested out some of the samples because I'm doing dry January. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm doing Amazing. dry Jan. I do it every year um, just to take a break, you know, working in, you know, food and beverage. It's just kind of like a constant deluge of, of delicious things, especially in the past year. I've just been obviously consuming a lot more wine than I am used to. Yes. Uh, so I was, I was needing a break. Else. On Saturday night, I cooked this Wagyu beef from Pursuit Farms, and it was incredible. It was amazing, but I really feel like it's almost disrespectful to the animal to not have wine with it because you really need, like, the acid and the tannin. Like, it was almost too much. Like, it was too fatty without, like, something to cut it. And my tummy afterwards was not feeling good. I just, I I honestly was thinking if I had Fernet, I would break this thing right now just to have a little something to help me digest. Uh. And then the light bulb went off, and I was like, oh, my God. I have those samples from Optimus. And so I have the fresh actually. And it was awesome. It was exactly, you know, you want that like herbal botanical, you know, kind of medicinal flavor. And I had that with my new soda stream water. It was really good. (laughs) Very good. Yeah. Yeah. We've also um, invested in the soda stream over the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. It's like, how much money are we willing to throw at LaCroix? You know? I love it. Do you like yours? Yeah. 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 Yeah, We use it all the time. The kids love it too. There's some kind of performance element to it at most mealtimes that the kids um, and varying degrees of uh, showering of of water all over the place and they do it. So yeah, Yeah. it's good. No, we had a ferocious San Pellegrino habit going and it was, it was out of control. (laughs) That's exactly. Yeah. It really, you're like, wait a minute, I'm spending how much money on bubbly water? Like this is crazy. I'm keeping the country of Italy sustained alone with Pellegrino habit. It's so good though. The bubbles, I feel like you can get that same level of 
bubbliness though if you use like five or six pumps of the yep. CO2. Yeah. So I love that really aggressive um, carbonation of St. Pellegrino. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So good. So and good. Where, where are you based? You're um, I'm over in Mid-City. What about you guys? Cool. We're in Venice. So very close. Nice. Yeah. What a beautiful part of town. But you're not from Venice because I can hear some accents clearly. <laughs> where are you guys from originally? Uh, I'm English, but I was raised in uh, Kenya. Oh, wow. And... Yeah, and Tom is English from cool. Cambridge. Very cool. So was was the pandemic part of the reason why you guys launched this company or was this sort of in the works but long before? Like, tell me a little bit about the genesis of Optimist Spirits itself. Yeah, we went full bore on this, uh, decided to, to put all of our time and energy into it um, about two months before the pandemic started. <laughs> so we, we'd been working on it for around a year at that point. And then, yeah, t- through t- 2019, we worked on it. We were just, we had a product and a sample product, and we were just about to go out and fundraise right as 2020 kicked off. And it went suspiciously well for a couple of weeks before the pandemic hit. And it was, <laughs> it was an, yeah, so it was, a really interesting time to be in doing a startup company at the beginning of the pandemic because all bets are off across the board. And I think that could have been a moment where we walked away from it because it was really hard work and all the conversations that had been looking good or all of the partners that we were working with were having their own difficulties. So, you know, distillers started making hand sanitizer instead of our drinks you know? <laughs> um, yep. we were getting glass from overseas and uh, there was a global glass shortage for a while while they're making vials for vaccines and everyone's life just kind of got turned upside down but actually because there's a big social mission to optimist we wanted to talk about mental wellness and and wellness overall it actually seemed to make it more relevant it had the opposite effect actually on us it, it had the effect of doubling down and really yeah being a good test of our belief in this and our, our metal. Yeah. <laughs> and we found it as a, a kind of very motivating factor going through and it clarified a lot of things. Yeah. It's it's amazing how much people are drinking right now and also how disconnected we feel and how <clears throat> mental health is obviously such an issue. I read somewhere it was like 250% more alcohol sales than the year prior, you know, in 2019. I mean, I, I actually am um, going back into uh, therapy today. I'm really excited about it through Kaiser. Actually, I was chatting with them and they were like, look, you, if you want to see a therapist within our network, you're going to have to wait until the end of March. So if you want to see someone, you're going to have to go, you know, into our, our external program. And it just goes to show you all my friends who are therapists. They're like, my caseload is like yeah. over. I can't even yeah. take on any patients right yeah. now. So yeah, certainly. And then of course, you know, living in Los Angeles and you guys living in Venice specifically, like you're just seeing people just spilling onto the streets and it's just yeah. a real epidemic. So it's really yeah. cool. You guys are doing that with your yeah. brand. I, I think we've been thinking about doing something probably for the last four years. And, you know, it's been a crazy four years and we started becoming really aware of things and we started noticing our own kind of stress levels and anxiety and then we started seeing it in our kids and we started seeing it in our friends and then just when you thought it was really intense the pandemic and then it really intensified mm-hmm. and I just don't think that people had the resilience you know like all of us we were already taught uh, and stretched and so yeah it's been a, it's been a crazy challenging year 
Yeah. The resilience. Um, and also it's the resources yeah. too. You know, I think that's why, what, you know, two, I think it's 2% of your sales are going towards um, two organizations specifically catering, catering to mental health. So it's, I mean, it's expensive. <clears throat> like when I was starting to look into it, I was like, hourly visits start at like 250. Like, and when you're out of work and you can't yeah. pay your rent, it, it's just not even yeah. an option for most people. And I think, you know, one, one of the things that's been compounded. So we noticed before the pandemic that screens and technology is often blamed for the kind of mental wellness issues that a lot of young, particularly young people are having. I think everyone's having, but particularly young people it's talked about a lot more. And really the root cause of those, is, those issues are often isolation. So on one hand, we're connected to however many friends on a, on a social network, you might be on loads of different social networks, you might be on gaming networks, but actually in terms of real company in real kind of human connection, that's almost never been lower. And that's one of the things that just got massively accelerated by the pandemic. So everyone is isolated and there are great ways to try and stay connected with your friends. But doing that physically is almost impossible. Uh, and rightly, we should be restricting that. But also everyone is at a very different place. You know, you never know if you start a Zoom or a FaceTime or a, a phone call with someone, whether they're feeling great about everything or whether they've just had a really horrible few days and they're full of anxiety. It's a really strange time for that. And I think there's going to be this big period of social awkwardness as we sort of start to come back into the world mm -hmm. and everyone, hundred percent of us are going to be completely socially awkward. We're going to be stubbing <laughs> our toes all over the place, making <laughs> horrible gaffes. And I think that there's going to be a kind of rehabilitating into the world where there are other human beings on a daily basis, which is going to be an interesting thing. So yeah, taking on isolation as a brand. And I think the kind of ritual of drinking has, has as an adult been one of those great indicators of wanting to socially connect with someone. Mm -hmm. And that's super important. And so those things coming together, the mental wellness side of it and creating a drink that was worth having a ritual over seemed to make real sense to us, uh, very motivating through the, through the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's funny. I was chatting with my friend um, about this dry January thing and she's just like, I don't know how you're doing it because the only indicator that it's going from day to night and days are passing is my glass of wine at the end of the day. And I was like, <laughs> well, I, got, I hear you, you know? So, I, I mean, I understand that's, I think what's really cool about these zero proof spirits is that you can still make yourself a cocktail while you're cooking yeah. dinner or, you know, going to watch some TV or whatever, unplug, do whatever it is. My boyfriend and I were actually sitting down last night. We made sort of like the gin and, and tonic situation with the the fresh and some lime, and it was like, all right, we're you know we're we're having a moment. We're listening to music. Yeah. But it's not like we're yeah. just like three sheets to the wind on a Monday night. Yeah. Quite frankly, some Monday nights <laughs> it has been that way. Um, so I do love that, and I, I'm 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 curious what inspired you guys to start the company and and do this whole zero proof thing. It was a few things coming together. So we knew we wanted to create a business that had purpose. So actually, we st kind of started with that. So being parents of two young kids, looking at the world that they're growing up in, it seemed really clear that if we were going to set up a company, then it had to play a role in some way, have some positive impact. We looked at mental wellness as, as a, an issue that we were kind of most concerned about for our kids um, and seemed to be growing really fast. So that was one element of it. We also wanted to make sure that we didn't make the environment an afterthought. So we, right from the beginning, we sought B Corp uh, certification. So we're a B Corp pending company at launch, which is really important to us. Uh, and then on the on the liquid level, we started looking at trying to create something that 
had all the craft of an alcoholic drink. And actually we started with great alcoholic drinks and thought about what is the, what are the brilliant flavor profiles that we love? Where, where is the real craft and what would we love to take and create something that just happened to have no alcohol in it? So it having zero alcohol was very important, but it having all the sophistication of, of, and craft that you'd expect from an alcoholic drink, that was really the inspiration and those things coming together. So they, they, on a product level, that's what inspired us. And then on a brand level, we wanted to make sure that we had a mission to it as well. Totally. Yeah. It looks like it, even um, when you guys see the the full bottle, it, it actually looks like something you'd have, you know, in, in your bar cart, it's a really beautiful thing. And, you know, even tasting it, it doesn't taste like alcohol, but it has all of the elements, specifically the fresh. Cause that's the one that I've like, you know, spent some time with it's, it's got all the yeah. juniper and all the things you like about gin, it really just minus the alcohol. So it's, it's kind of, you know, brings that experience, like you said, on the liquid level of a drink of, of a cocktail, this sort of this uh, dry January thing that we're all doing. I've done this since I was a NCAA athlete. We, you know, during season, we weren't allowed to drink. We couldn't smoke. Like it was a real drag in college. Let me say that much. I know Tommy, <laughs> you were an athlete too. Like did that sort of inspire you also like the, the health element of it aside from the mental health? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I was I was in the uh, British rowing team for a few years when I was younger, going through college. And definitely there were periods there where training, where you'd be training two, three times a day and there'd be no alcohol. And, and kind of what I found through that is that there'd be no going out either. Mm-hmm. And if you were not drinking, then you would miss out on the social occasions. And that extended actually into into work same thing happens when you know when you're working and if you want to get up the next morning to and then hang out with your kids or go surfing or go cycling then you might not want to go for late night drinks with everyone but you're immediately taken out of that social situation so it's about participation really i think mm-hmm. often if you choose not to drink often you're not invited or you're uninviting yourself. And there's another thing for other people that you're drinking with. If, if they've got a really nice cocktail that, that has been mixed for them at the bar, and then you say, oh, I'll just have some water, thanks. Then mm-hmm. it signals to them and to you that you're kind of not really involved. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to make sure that we could allow people who happen to not want to drink alcohol, maybe just for that drink, maybe just for that night, maybe forever, but if you happen to make the decision that that next drink is not going to be alcoholic, you can still participate. You can still feel part of the event sense of occasion. Mm-hmm. And that goes both ways. It's, it's for the person drinking. It's for the person making the drink behind the bar and it's for the, the person or people that they're with so that you can kind of have that social inclusion. So that's, that's a really important part for us. Yeah. I, I think that that was a big thing for me because I would you know still have to go out and network and, and be at events and things like that. I would always order a soda water with bitters and lime because it would kind of look like there was something going on in my glass and just sort of the, like the social pressures of it, of drinking, it sort of alleviated that a little bit. A mocktail, I feel like they're always so sugar driven, right? It's always like a bunch of fruit juice and then minus the, that balance of like the bitterness and the, um, that sort of punch that alcohol has to kind of balance it out. It's like, I just don't want to drink juice. Like I'm not a child. I don't need a mm-hmm. cup. Like I want to have an adult beverage um, that still makes me feel included. I think it's a growing vertical too. I, I know you guys obviously have a background in marketing. So this isn't just, I mean, as much as obviously the B Corp and being, you know, having a philanthropic element is a huge part of it. I think you may be seeing like Seedlip and Proto and Centauri all free and all these really great offerings coming through. 
Lisa, can you talk a little bit about that side of it? Because I know you guys, you've worked for some really cool companies too. You're part of Bono Red. Can you talk a little bit about the business side of things and what you're seeing in the market? We definitely identified an opportunity on a personal level. We identified a need state. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, absolutely. We Coming from the UK, we were familiar with some of the brands. The market in the UK is more evolved than the US market by a couple of years, probably. And there's in excess of, I'd say, 120 non-ALK offerings on the UK market. Whoa. Yeah, it's it, it's it's really interesting. So I think, you know, kind of the earlier forerunners maybe date back to sort of four, four years or so with some really high quality products. And I think to your point about the mocktails, I think people's drinking tastes were evolving and becoming more complex and mature and experimental. But the mocktail, the non-ALK offerings were still left behind and so it was like you know terrible kind of sugary no out wine offerings or the beers were always really disappointing there wasn't much out there we looked at the U.S. market and realized that it was way behind and it was really interesting for us from Los Angeles you know this is a place where health and wellness trends a lot of really exciting culinary trends take off and it was crazy to us that there was very little or nothing on the market here so then we started honing on, on, on what the product offering should be. Mm. Um, and yeah, and my background was, uh, we met in advertising, but my background uh, after that, I moved into the nonprofit section and worked for Bono's Red Initiative. So partnering with big global brands to f- uh, raise funds for HIV programs, mostly in Africa. And I definitely was always going to work on a brand with a mission and a, a genuine give back. And so the synergy of kind of the mental wellness, social connection, everything just came together and it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really a magical thing when that happens, right? It's like, oh, all of it, all of it's coming together. It all makes yeah. sense now. Um, I want to learn a little bit about actually the product itself. So botanicals are pl- plants that we either use for medicinal purposes or for flavor purposes. Is there a reason why you call these like a botanical spirit? Is it sort of the, is it curative as well as flavor? Tell me a little about that. Sure. Yeah. We, well, we started off with the sophistication of all kind of alcoholic drinks as an inspiration. So we wanted to make sure that we were hitting that level. And from a process level, what we found is there's very different ways of constructing something that is non-alcoholic. So if you're constructing a soft drink, the way that most people work is with essences or flavors. Often there's a lot of sugar involved and it's quite artificial. And we now understand why that is because of the uh, food certification process which makes it very easy to do also the production process is a much easier way of doing it but we really early on wanted to make sure that we had some real integrity to the flavors that we were creating and wanted to be true and faithful to distillation which is a real art and we worked with a great master distiller in downtown to help uh, develop the flavors and what we wanted very early on is to be as true to their process as we could and true to the level of sophistication of flavor that they they would get to. Mm-hmm. We started off with inspiration for different flavors. They were inspired by different places, different locations in Los Angeles. So Bright, which is the most kind of citric flavor, was inspired by Venice Beach and after a hot day and being in a shower mm-hmm. by a lemon tree, out, outdoor shower mm-hmm. by a lemon tree. So we got some inspiration mm-hmm. from there and Clearly in that, there is some botanicals that kind of almost kind of come to mind. Fresh was inspired by being in Topanga Canyon after a rainstorm and when the sun comes out. And so you get a real green, verdant 
flavor from that. And then Smoky was actually inspired by the high desert being out in Joshua Tree Yucca area. You get this huge rush of energy as, as the sun goes down, you go from seeing for hundreds of miles to being able to see about six feet and you get this big energy rush where mm. your your evening is kind of set in, in that space. We knew the flavors that we wanted to hit and we knew this kind of inspiration for each flavor. And we then sought the right process to get the purest possible version of those flavors. And and so then in this process, since you're working with a distiller, is it the process by which you actually distill, you know, a, a vodka or whatever it may be, um, and then remove the alcohol afterwards? No. So we were really keen from the beginning to not have alcohol anywhere in the process. We mm -hmm. just felt from a kind of ethical standpoint, we didn't want to do that. And, and we wanted to, if we we're going to go out and say we're a, a non-alcoholic spirit, that we just didn't have any trace in there. Mm -hmm. So again, that would have been an easier thing to do. Mm -hmm. The way that we, what we found through the process is if you, if you make a gin, you start with a base of alcohol, mm -hmm. ethanol, and you, you pass it through a still, and then you put the botanicals that you want in a basket, different stills work in different ways, but you mm. put them all together. Alcohol is really good at extracting the essential oils from all of the botanicals, gripping it and taking it all the way down. Mm -hmm. If you try doing the same process with water, it just doesn't really taste of anything at all. Water is much less efficient at that. So we had to explore ways of doing that with water. We combined distilling processes with processes that are often used in perfume making, and then also some extraction methods, CO2 extraction, which is used in the modern weed industry. And basically what we found is you couldn't do it all in one go. You have to treat each botanical individually and work out the best way of extracting the essence from each botanical and then you can kind of bring it together. Yeah, I was reading about this recently with THC and trying to figure out how to make THC beverages. And like you're saying, it's sort of the is it nanoparticleization or something where you have to make it so that it's also soluble with the water that you're using if you're not using alcohol. It's really complicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I imagine probably similar sort of process. Yeah, huge challenges with um, anything that in includes oils and, and water or distillates right. and blending them. And we were obsessed with having this as a clear product as well. So mm. lots of technical challenges along the way. But um, yeah, it gradually kind of figured one thing but out at a time. But it took totally. a long time. Especially in a clear bottle, you can't have the oil sitting at the top. So you have to make sure it's like oil and vinegar, like it's um, an emulsification process that it goes by so that it ends up being clear and exactly. continuous yeah. and everything. It's really wild. Yeah. But it's yeah. really tasty. <laughs> well, I'd love it if you guys wouldn't mind leading me through a little tasting here. You know, I think what you, I love the inspiration for them. They're some three of my favorite places. So um, <laughs> I can't wait to be whisked away to them virtually. With pleasure, with pleasure. Let's start with them. Um, let's start with Bright. Okay. So as Tom said, Bright is kind of the, that's a Venice Beach inspired. Mm. And he's actually cracking one of the first bottles yeah, of the line. Oh my gosh. It's so pretty, isn't it? If you can smell, there's like some notes of jasmine, which is very reminiscent for us of, uh, of Venice and kind of being down here. And mm. then some lavender too. And then the, the fennel brings in some freshness and the cool mint as well brings in some freshness. And then uh, there's a little bit of depth from the myrrh, which is not something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Frankincense and myrrh were like the, the three kings over here. But I love the jasmine. It does remind me of like a jasmine tea. I love that aroma. Yeah. We didn't really want to create 
three drinks that we specifically said, this is your non-alk gin, this is your non-alk vodka. We, we wanted to break it open because again, it's about breaking open the categories and actually giving people a choice and not making feel like they were having a alk light. Or So it was actually about right. just choosing to have this drink and because of the flavors that it can bring. Mm. But if you were going to make a comparison, this would probably be closest to a sort of a citrusy vodka offering. Yeah. So it's I wish the that, cleanest of the flavors. Yeah, I wish that vodka smelled like this. <laughs> it does, it's like, I think it has a lot more going on than vodka usually does, you know? It's really nice. And, I love and, it. And this one drinks, I mean, you can drink this. Uh, they're all pretty good with a tonic if you mm. like a slightly more bitter note, or you can drink it with a club soda. Yeah. Or indeed... Yeah. Soda stream. <laughs> Here she is. Right by my go. side. I know. Just in case I want to drink one of these later. Um, yeah, it's lovely. It almost smells like I, I keep on coming back to like uh, that, that pot of tea. At, oh, man. Mm. It's really great. It, it's It's got that like essential oils. Like it just feels like there's like all kinds of good botanical things happening in there. You know, yeah, and it, it was important for us to try and get the mouth feel to, to feel that you weren't just drinking a slightly flavored water. This is something more complex and kind of you you get the texture in your mouth. It feels satisfying. And actually, yeah. after you have one drink of that, you kind of feel like you've had a drink. And I don't mean an alcoholic drink, but you feel like you've taken a moment and actually consumed something that sort of sits with you slightly. Yep. Not absolutely glugging kind of. When we were going through the tasting process on these, we do long kind of two, three hour sessions of tasting different versions and different iterations. And at the end of it, we'd kind of feel a bit drunk. <laughs> and <laughs> there's a ceremony about having a drink and the sophistication of the flavors kind of triggered a, you know, a sense of occasion. You, you realize that there is a lot of things going on when you, you get together around a, a nice drink that actually often attributed to alcohol, but have nothing to do with alcohol. So there's mm-hmm. there's some great things about social connection, laughing, enjoying the flavors, talking about it together. And then the next morning, instead of waking up with a hangover, we just woke up really well hydrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like the effervescence of a shared experience, right? You're buzzing and electric. And like part of that, obviously, you know, in a traditional scenario, maybe the booze, but it is also being with friends and people that give you energy and sharing. It's like such a human thing. I was talking to someone about this the other day, actually my brother on his podcast, Broken Dove, like we're social beings. We're supposed to be together. That's like part of what makes us humans. And it just kind of has been taken away from us. So I think this is also a nice thing for Zoom happy hours have become obviously the thing that we're all doing now. You can still participate and, you know, do a thing, but not, you know, not feel quite as guilty about it. You can also mix, we've got some, um, on our website, we've uh, we've had some help creating some really delicious cocktails. Mm. You know, if you want to spend a little bit more time and make more of a thing of the creation of your drink, then there's really great opportunities to create some really interesting flavors with kind of using other ingredients too that make yeah. it feel, again, like it, it shouldn't be about feeling like you're compromising. Absolutely. What would you do with this one? Would you, I mean, I, again, I had it with soda water and some lime and it was great, but I actually put some bitters in there too. Last night I put... Um, it's surprising if there's any of this left at this point. I really, I like, I was like, this is so great. Um, but last night I did it with the barkeep, barkeep fennel bitters and orange, Ooh, and orange. So it was like kind of that Ooh. fennel orange citrus thing. And it was quite nice. Although maybe technically I think bitters have a tiny, teeny bit of alcohol in them, don't they? Or no? Most some, some do. Most do. do. Yeah. It varies. The amount yeah. varies quite a lot between yeah. them. So it's good to, okay. if you're really paying attention and you really don't want to yeah. consume alcohol, it's good to look. But I think for the amount that you're using. Yeah. 
Should be all right. Yeah. Okay. It's it's yeah. still 2020 in my brain and something's got to go. Um, it was really nice though. I, I loved that, um, adding that in there, but what would you do? What, what are some cocktails that you enjoy with the bright? There's a really delicious one um, with pomegranate juice and pomegranate molasses, mm. which still allows the flavors of bright to shine through the pomegranate and makes the most beautiful kind of deep blood red cocktail. So that's mm. completely delicious. Yeah, I really enjoy that Yum. one. Um, Oof, I love pomegranate juice too, because it has that like yeah. tart pucker to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They yeah. balance really well together. Totally. And that's honestly, that's that's one of the most exciting things, seeing with the kind of base of spirit, seeing what mixologists do with them mm-hmm. because they're, they're designed to be fun to create with. That's one of the things when bars and restaurants do open up is going to be working very closely with uh, the mixologists and the, and the sommelier teams to make sure that we're helping them come up with their interesting, exciting drinks. Let's move on to the next one, uh, Fresh, which I uh, clearly have enjoyed quite a bit because it's got a very minimal amount. But- I would say that Fresh is my favorite too. Mm. I'm a I'm a lifelong gin drinker. Um, and I think this is probably closest to a kind of a ginish offering. It's a very herbaceous, uh, uh, very verdant kind of flavor. Mm. There's a note of cilantro sitting in there. And I feel like that makes me feel, uh, I feel it goes quite well with my Mexican comfort food. Um, uh, yeah. there's something quite savory about it. It drinks very well with the tonic. Uh, we also have a fantastic recipe called the Vertigo, which um, uses lemon juice and muddled basil and egg white. And that makes a phenomenal, phenomenal drink. Uh, and yeah, it feels really special. Yeah. And so I think with this one, you know, you can, it's got the juniper. Mm-hmm. So there's the gin calling. And then it's kind of heavy on the tarragon, cilantro, basil. There's very kind of green. Mm-hmm. You're just still downtown. We're actually working with, so we work with uh, a distiller who uh, who wants to remain elusive, um, <laughs> who is a, is a master distiller in downtown, but is okay. is a, is great. And we we now work with a couple to create our distillates. So okay. it, it has taken a, a village of distillers to get us to where we are. So we also work with a, a fantastic distiller in in Napa around there to to create some of the distillates that we've got because there is some great farming up there for things like habanero. So totally. Well, let's try the smoke. Smoky. Yes. Tell me about this one. Smoky was our hardest one to crack. Actually, we went through many iterations of, um, of smoky. But yeah, the smokiness that you'll get the aroma immediately is from the lapsang. And then there's a, an underlying bitterness. There's some spices. So there's some clove in there and some sage to give it some warmth. Mm. There's some notes of ginger as well. Um, and then the habanero a little bit more deeply here, but again, like very minimal on the heat. It's about creating a sense of warmth rather yeah. than like burning. But there are some great cocktails that include some um, uh, jalapeno or serrano if you want to like dial the heat up a bit. Yeah, if you're like yeah. missing a spicy marg, a yeah. mezcal margarita, yeah. this would be yeah. the way to do it. I feel yeah. Like. Tom makes a really good pineapple margarita with this, mm. with some with some uh, kind of uh, muggled serrano coins, mm. and that's delicious. That and this so this song, this was the biggest test. We really wanted to try and hit some of the sophistication that you get in a good mezcal. Mm-hmm. That's really difficult when you a lot of the kind of heat and the intensity mm-hmm. that comes from mezcal just comes from alcohol. Yeah. So it took a long time, but yeah, the Lapsang Sushong tea gives us some great smoke. And yeah, this this is a great if you replace uh, tequila in in a margarita, this is a great uh, alternative to that. Well, they're all so good and very unique. And actually they do taste quite different, all of them. 
So I, yeah, I really enjoy them. I have to say, I really do love that fresh. Yeah. I do. It reminds me of sundowners and seeing the sunset over the Savannah, you know, it's just like, take me away to another place. It's <laughs> not here. Um, yeah. I feel like that. Oh, come, come with me to Kenya. Oh, please take me away. <laughs> I would love that. I've actually never been to Kenya. I've only been to um, Botswana and South Africa and it was just like oh, so humbling. So beautiful. I'm sure not everybody's out there like living at a safari camp. I know that that's not the real life, but it was just <laughs> seeing all that wildlife. It just makes you feel so small and insignificant on the you know radar of life on our planet. You know, it's a good a good thing yeah. I think for everybody to feel. I think that it also could be an element to a cocktail if you're still wanting to have alcohol, like the botanical Big element time. of it. You know, it still plays. I think there there are some people who are, who are not drinking for good reason you know they're sober and and maybe there's been addiction or there's a physical reason or a mental reason why they just don't want to touch alcohol and that you know it's important for us that we have no alcohol in our drinks so we are an option for them but I think the vast majority of people are actually just trying to temper their alcohol intake in Mm -hmm. some way so uh, a good friend of mine who runs some great cocktail bars in London even before lockdown their weekly kind of happy hour drinks were becoming lower ABV drinks because people just didn't want the strength of a full-on cocktail during the week. And what he found is that just by having a lower ABV happy hour menu, people would have, you know, you can go and have a couple of drinks. So our, our, our flavors are designed to be able to work in a non-out cocktail and they're strong enough to hold up so that you feel them there. But actually in a cocktail that is a, you know, if you're making a Negroni and you use fresh instead of gin, then you're taking out the strongest element of that drink and it dro- drops from being a kind of, in probably in the 30s by our alcoholic volume into the high teens or, or low low teens so it really makes it a much less strong drink but you still get the flavor and so having that versatility was really important to us I really feel like this is sort of like the emerging market of flexitarians where people may not want to be totally vegan or vegetarian, but they want to be more conscious about their meat consumption. Similarly, there's this whole California sober thing where you can do anything but drink or just cut back on your drinking. Who is the audience? Is it specifically sober people or is it for those of us who may have drank a little too much in 2020? Like who is the customer? We we noticed that there, there is a group of people that don't want to drink alcohol at all, and that's that's fine. It's like there's very strict uh, vegans who will, will adhere to a very clear system of eating or drinking, and we completely respect that. But actually, we, what we notice is there's a growing number of people who just want to temper their drinking, and rather than opt out completely of alcohol, really seriously reduce it, but they don't want to miss out on a good occasion, good flavor, and we wanted to give people an option for that. And, and I think it is emerging. I think this kind of flexitarian, you know, people talk about being sober curious. There's loads of new terms in this. And I think it is important that it's not binary anymore. It's kind of probably unhealthy to be all or nothing. And if you can find a way that you can sustainably drink less alcohol, but not feel like you're missing out, that's really important. One of the things that we found as inspirational, we found as a proxy was in food. If you meet someone for a drink and you order a non-alcoholic drink, they ask you, might ask you why you're not drinking. Whereas if you go out for a meal with someone and you order a, a plant-based dish, someone doesn't tell you that you're not eating. <laughs> and so there is a long way to go, I think, in the in the vernacular and the social acceptance of, of drinking, where actually choosing to not have alcohol should not have a stigma attached to it, as should 
choosing to not eat meat at a meal, that should not have a stigma attached to it. In fact, it's a healthy choice. And so I think we want to give people an option to have a great drink, but, uh, but that happens to not have alcohol in it. Absolutely. It's quarantine. It made me think about my activities. I'm like, oh my God, I was looking at it as doing something and it's actually yeah. not doing anything. <laughs> like, drinking is not doing something. So, no. And um, I, I think what we, what we found through this is like maybe the least important thing of going for a drink with someone is the alcohol. The really important thing about going for a drink with someone is that you're meeting them. You're having a, a social connection, that you know, there's a sense of atmosphere, that there's some great flavors going on. The alcohol in your glass is possibly the least important thing there. And, and I think giving people excitement <laughs> will be very high. That is so right. So just having, yeah, having an option there that is, if you want to drink less, you can still have that human connection is really important. Totally. Well, cheers to human connection and doing it just a little bit more mindfully. <laughs> oh, well, guys, thank you so much for coming through and sharing these beautiful zero proof spirits with me. Where can everybody follow along with what you guys are doing and when they can, you know, purchase your goodies at stores, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you liked all the all the different spirits. You can uh, follow us at Optimist Drinks on Instagram, on social media. We're launching direct. We're going to be focusing on Los Angeles and we'll be popping up in some grocery stores and some wine and spirit stores soon. And we have a podcast that's launching Optimist in Progress, where we're working with Dr. Drea Lettermendi, who is a doctor of psychology from UCLA, who runs a student wellness program, who's going to talk to us and have a conversation around positive mental well-being practices. So we're, cool. we're keeping it really simple. We're keeping it really accessible. But Dre is great at taking psychological concepts that can seem difficult to understand and making them really accessible. So we're looking forward to that. And that's launching uh, at the end of January. Oh, wonderful. Well, I can't wait to tune into that. Gosh, that's so great. I can't, and getting those tips. I love a good wellness podcast. So we'll be tuning in for sure. Thank you again, guys. Of course, feel, feel free to give me a follow as well at Krista Simmons at Fork in the Road Media on Instagram and Twitter and all that jazz. And we will see you back here next week for another awesome episode. Until then, eat well, be well, stay safe. Bye.